Good Friday afternoon to you. My name is Wiley and I am bringing to you a new segment. It's called the Wiley Report. The Wiley Report is basically the intersection of ideas, information, legislation, policies, and how it affects you and me. It's something new that I am trying. I hope that you can see me. I'm trying to get my camera together. Oh, yeah, I think you can. All right, cool, 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 cool. Good. So, like I said, I'm Wiley. And you know how this, this podcast or this idea episode came about is because I spent about 13 years as a academic librarian. I've also spent the experience as a special librarian working with government federally contracted researchers about their information needs and resources, designing websites. I've also, you know, transferred that experience to working with engineering and scientists on their research data services needs. And I'm also an information science doctoral student. I completed my first year where I'm interested in exploring the ethics of data, data management, and how theoretical frameworks match up to what what in actuality researchers actually do. I've also had the lived experience of being black all my life. For 43 years, I'm 43 years old. I've been black all my life. I've spent about 20 years as a masculine-centered lesbian only to realize probably around the 43rd year or 42nd year that I'm also trans. And I bring that up because... I believe that me, you, us, we're not monolithic. All of our experiences affect everything that we see, everything that we do, how we walk, move, navigate space in the earth as we move around and as we do our thing and and whatever our routines and whatever our careers, our chosen paths, whatever it is that we're doing, we see life through those lenses. So the Wiley Report basically looks at life and and things going on. I'll be here each week doing these type of videos. And so I wrote out this transcript, you know, because I was thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. And it comes up because as you, you may know, many institutions since the murder of George Floyd have created and are hiring diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. There's so many conversations going on in the world about this topic. Specifically, the, the underlying question, though, to me is why is it poignant now, considering, you know, the history of, of the American experience? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we had individuals that were debating whether or not uh, America is a racist country. Or if you think about states and legislatively, how there are states that are, are creating laws and policies that will uh, relate to people's voting abilities, like how long the polls stay open, the types of uh, ways that people can vote. I know there was a restrictive law passed in Georgia. There was also one that slated for Texas. But I bring that up because when you think about that, that means that the policy, as it be, is it being as it's being written, is written in efforts to exclude people. I want you to think about that. Or in medicine uh, this week, there's an article in the New York Times written by, I believe her name is Apoorva uh, Madavali. Mandavilli. Sorry, I apologize for messing up people's names. But check out that article because it's talking about medical journals and their experience with racism. And it's also part of, of our conversation today because the top editor of the Journal of the American Medical Association stepped down based on a podcast discussion. And I believe the the uh, person's name was Dr. Edward Livingston. And he suggested that we should take racism out of the conversation because I quote, and I got to read it, societal inequities uh, 
so the podcast discussion was about societal inequities. Sorry, I said that wrong. And so basically what he was saying is that he thought that we should take the term structural racism out of the equation because it's an unfortunate term to describe a very real problem. Communities of colors were held back, not by racism, he said, but by socioeconomic factors and a lack of opportunity. Later, there was a tweet that promoted the podcast and claimed that no physician is racist. And it was later deleted. I found that interesting in reading uh, that article is because if you consider the fact that the American Medical Association knew about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, it was an experiment that lasted 40 years in which black men were not provided information about the study. They were not uh, given the ability to consent to the study, to withdraw uh, consent for the study, nor were they given treatment for syphilis. It came out after being uh, linked to the press or, or yeah, basically the press learned knew about it and then the study stopped. And while since this study, uh, ended, you know, cause it ended in what, 1972, there was a formation of the institutional review board, which basically can, is a, is a board that looks at how people conduct research of human subjects. You know, now there's information consent. There were numerous presidents that apologized yet. I bring it up because the American medical association, they've never apologized nor provided any, redress. Yet if we're going to bring this con this conversation to the context of today, let's talk about people's actual lived experience, uh specifically when we look at COVID, HIV, AIDS, high blood pressure, diabetes, black people, people of color's experience when it comes to women's health, healthcare, trans health, many have experienced disparities regarding ethics of care, treatment, access to information, access to care, access to to uh, facilities uh, and the like. In terms of scholarship, you know, that article I was telling you about, Manda Ville, she's affiliated with the New York Times, was talking about how it was just only in 2013 that racism was first in introduced as a searchable keyword in PubMed. So PubMed is this government vast medical library. So you right now today could Google PubMed and you can look up any article that you'd like to look at. And, it, and what she's saying is that in 2013, there were articles that related, or at least there was a search term where you could put racism in and actually find, you know, articles. Yet Journal of the American Medical Association has published the least. Also, the New England Journal of Medicine rarely addressed racism until the arrival of Dr. Eric Rubin, who's their top editor as of 2019. There's also further discussion about how medical journals, you know, have a lack of scholarship, which the lack of scholarship is because they're not having discussions about racism. And I know these are separate terms, because if you think about what I've just said, I've talked to you about legislative policy. I've talked to you about medicine. I'm talking to you about scholarship. I told you about a historical case and I'm talking about lived experience. Like I said at the beginning, these are not monolithic compartmentalized issues or ideas or concepts because I also talked to you about diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. Society, health, equity are intersected. I believe life lives in the intersection. Diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, they intersect every part of our life. Why do I say that? Because people's beliefs, their ideas, their ideology, their ideology, excuse me, their uh, infrastructures, information policies, legislation, they impact us 
each and every day. It's all around us. People, you meet us. We need to be in the room and it, and the rooms of those conversations, the application and implementation of those policies and legislation are happening. I say that because your voice, your story, your life, your experience matters and it is important. Never forget that. You know, and we're talking still about diversity, equity, inclusion and, and access. And I'll tell you that it is not the same. That statement in itself, the, those words, that's not the same as uh, acknowledging the impact of structural racism. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as discussing redress. Why do I say that? I say that because empathy, compassion, politeness, kindness, none of those things address structural racism. They don't address bias. They don't address microaggression. Uh, they don't address harm because the truth for today and always is that people of color, black people, you know, varied lives, varied identities have experienced harm systemically. And in efforts to address the harm, you do have to look at the policies that are created, the structures and the systems that are within organizations. For example, we were talking about those medical journals just in scholarship. You know, they, there was a, a doctor that was talking about in his review of the number of editors that are named at a specific journal. This is public information. You know, he, he wrote with humor that when he looked at this list, there were more people that were named David then there were people that could uh, be identified as as black as latin uh or more combined than um and as well as looking at you know the number of asian and south asian editors separately so he was saying even when you look at the uh the the writers that are or, or staff members that are asian and south asian you still had more people named david than you had of them and while you know, the person that he wrote responded, they didn't have a meeting about it. And his thought process was that people are really resistant to the very possibility that someone might call them racist or that we might suggest that they hold racist views or ideas. We've seen that before, because if you remember some time ago when it was um, The View and it was um, Ozzy Osbourne's wife, and um, the comedian Cheryl, Cheryl Underwood, how she, Cheryl Underwood just asked a question and it turned into, you know, with uh, Osborne's wife. I can't remember her name. That's why I'm just calling her Ozzy Osborne's wife. I mean, no disrespect. But I bring that up because the, the concern was that she was more concerned about being known as a racist than actually having the conversation that perhaps her earlier conversation about Piers Morgan and the problems with that conversation, you know, the issues with racism, just being more concerned about the appearance of the of, of racism than being willing to address actual racism. So what I'm saying is that happens socially in that context. It also happens, you know, scholarly because we're talking about the names of, of uh, editors in a journal. We've also talked about historical lived experiences, legislative policies, things like that. You know, and when those things happen, instead of having the conversation, instead of just addressing the issue or just coming in the room, holding space for it, what happens instead is the conversation gets shut down and then nothing happens. You know, yet, like I'm saying, this doesn't just happen in, you know, scholarly journals. Think of it also in the context of institutions, of organizations, of owners of Fortune 500 companies, the number of billionaires, millionaires, small business owners, varied professionals. How many represent black people or people of color? 
You know, we can't say that it's because black people or people of color don't exist. We also can't say that it's because black people, people of color do not have skill sets, expertise or knowledge. We can't say that. But what we can say, research shows, is that we don't necessarily have access to the level of opportunity, to the rooms, to the spaces, to the types of conversation, the opportunities to interview, the implementation of policies, resources and access that others have. We can say that. Think about that. Think about it. I just want you to think about this. Just hold this in your head because I know there's this idea that people are uncomfortable. Come on in the room. It's okay. I just want you to hold this idea in your mind. Have you ever noticed the number of institutions that have diversity statements Yet when you go and look on their website or the number of personnel staff that represent their organization, you see no people of color, no black people or few people that represent those people. Think about that. Think about that. So what's diversity, equity, inclusion and access if you don't address that? That's the question. I know I have said a lot and this is not a shots fired type video. It's not. It's just thinking about these ideas and the intersections of this issue structural racism because we'll say you know an agent uh, an agency or institutional organization will talk about diversity equity and inclusion and i'm not saying they're wrong i'm not saying that they shouldn't be having positions you know to to hire and creating these positions or looking at at um how this affects their circle of influence how this affects their employees and the like i am saying what does it mean in context and how was it applied when you look at these things? And if I know I've said a lot, but if you remember nothing that I have said, I want you to know one thing. One, I'm giving you ideas, concepts, and information. I want you to think about its application in daily life. I want you to also know that it's so much deeper than just the terms diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because one, I want you to make sure that you're thinking about oppression. I want you to think to, to be thinking about structural racism and how people have been oppressed, how people have been harmed, that their policies and, and structures that exist that are being written to cause this. I also want you to let go of the idea that this is going to be a warm and fuzzy, you're going to feel great about yourself type of conversation because people have been harmed for years. They have been. And while you point to yourself might not have caused the harm, that doesn't mean that you still can't have the conversation. Let go of the notion that the appearance of racism is greater than the conversation about racism. Two, and I know it's not two, but I'm just saying, be willing to have the conversation. Do more than listen. Be willing to amplify your voice and the power you have within your circle of influence. If you like what you've heard today, let me know. Wiley Report, is, 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 you can email it just like it sounds, W-I-L-E-Y-R-E-P-O-R-T at gmail.com. And I'll be talking about the intersection of ideas, information, policies, and legislation each week on a video, on a podcast. You know, you can see it right now on YouTube. That's all I got. I hope what I've said, like I said, it impacts your mind, your heart, your spirit. It gives you things to think about because you're moving through life and all these things are going on around you and it affects you. Excuse me, it affects people you know. All right. Have a good day. I'm Wiley. I'm signing off. Peace.